This is HPR episode 1936 entitled HPR Community News for December 2015 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is posted by HPR volunteers and is about 89 minutes long. The summary is HPR Community News for December 2015. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to Hacker Public Radio Community News for December 2015. For those of you new to Hacker Public Radio, we are a community podcast. That means the shows are contributed by listeners like your good self. As it says on the website, your ideas, projects and opinions podcasted. We have new episodes every Monday through Friday and we do this show, which is a look at what's been going on on the HPR feed which is a podcast feed. Uh, I'll go quickly go through the shows, read some of the comments that have been left on the website, and we also go through some of the things that have been going through on the mailing list. Some months it's very quiet there. This month has been pretty busy. Uh, first things first, we'd like to welcome our new hosts, and I do have a tradition of butchering people's names, so uh, please keep that in mind as we go through this thing. Our uh, first host was Clinton Roy, Archer72, The Linux Experiment, and Cov. So welcome to you all, and long may you continue to uh, participate in the community shows. So let's have a look first at last month's show, starting with uh, 1921, the Open NMS interview that Tlatu did at the All Things Open conference. He did quite a few um interviews from there and this is a networking network monitoring uh, package and for those of you who are doing back-end servers and the like it will be a very interesting one to go and have a look at the next day the linux experiment uh give us the linux experiment basically a few people decided to um to try Linux for a while out of their uh, try multiple distributions and stuff, and uh, they're basically challenging any of Hacker Public Radio as well to um, to go ahead and do this. I think it's actually quite good because um, in order to experience a desktop, I've just switched over to KDE 5 on uh, my wife's desktop, and I really don't like it. I really, really don't like it, and I'm saying to myself, "Is this me, or is this the is this the way things are going to go?" So um you know live with it for a while and then maybe it'll grow on you after a while it's uh, uh as it stands now it is not as annoying as it was to begin with so therefore i'm assuming a lot of it is is me so let's let's continue on with that so yes thank you for those guys uh coming in and then we had uh waking up the follow-on episode to uh 
to Wendigo's uh, Waking Up series. So this is uh, this had a uh, comment from Wendigo itself, one-upped. Uh, nothing, nothing puts your crappy bash alarm clock into perspective like dynamic lighting and uh, is authentic music. Does the rumba carry you a cup of coffee in the morning as well? Yes, uh, that is what I was thinking. Windigo's house is, or sorry, Jezra, who did the show, um, house is very, very uh, <laughs> automated. And I've often said it before, and I'll say it again, that is a house I would very much like to go and visit if I ever do make it to the US. The following day, uh, Ahuka, 1915, LibreOffice Libre Impress. So this is the presentation part and how to put tables in there. And uh, uh, often you charts, pictures and movies and stuff. So you can also, he looked at those earlier and uh, now he went into putting tables in. And probably this is, you know, if you're doing a presentation, a small table like this is as good as anything, uh, is kind of better and easier and less complicated than open up a, a spreadsheet, a dynamic spreadsheet inside of it. The day after we had the community news, um, which is done by HPR volunteers. Uh, at the moment, Dave is feeling a bit ill. So uh, our best wishes go out to him. And um, so I'm here flying my own some which is not surprising given most of people have used all their chat up on the New Year's show. Um, the following uh, slot was 1917opensource.com, an interview with uh, Ricky Ensley from opensource.com. And Tlatu, um, uh has, I think, also published on there. Or, um, and it is a Red Hat-sponsored site, I think, but I don't think they have editorial control. But it is a fabulous, fabulous um, resource. And during this month, you're going to see one of their articles, a series of their articles being narrated for us on the sh this here HPR show. Um, there was... There was one comment on the community news episode, which is Charles and LJ, um, and he was <laughs> referencing, you got to love a site that lets you add content for free and then uh, charges you to reference it later. Um, and he was referring to Experts Exchange, which he uh, thought was quite funny. You could re re rearrange it as Expert Sex Change. So yes, uh, quite funny there. And the comment on uh, episode uh, 1917, which is opensource.com interview again, uh, John Culp saying a possible outlet. Thanks for a great interview. And now thinking about possible article topics for there. I must say I was thinking the same thing myself, but I have so much on my own plate right now. I don't think uh, <laughs> I don't think I need any any more. Thank you very much. We had our old friend Zoke back again, and I'm delighted to have this interview with Dave Kennedy, one of the um, well-known people in the security world. And basically, at some training, he uh, Zoke managed to capture a few interviews with these guys. Very, very impressive. If you uh, don't get a, if you ever get a chance to go to DerbyCon, uh, it's on my list of things I really like to do. And uh, Dave Kennedy talks about how um, they uh, do penetration testing and the like. So it's a must-listen must interview. Following day again, another interview uh, from the same uh, same people, David 
Koblitz. Uh, apologies for <laughs> uh, killing the name. And this was another interview as well in relation to pen testing. Uh, on the other side of the fence, we had uh, the following day, uh, 1920. Let me just check to see if there were any comments on these. The DerbyCon interview with uh, uh, Zoke, um, with Dave Kennedy, there was a comment from Frank. I used to play cues in CMUS. Once that queue around 20 to 25 minutes was done, CUMS goes back to a random library uh, playback. Here's the catch. What if the random piece after the classical music is also classical? In such a case, you would not notice that it is time to get up uh, which is a problem I regularly encounter. I can't and really want to differ, uh, really want to have two different collections to keep the two apart. I think actually that comment is slightly misplaced. It should have been, um, it should have been attached to uh, Jezra's episode about getting up. So, uh, not to worry. We will have the comment to ninjas, namely Dave, <laughs> work on that one later. Privacy and security, as we said, nineteen twenty, um, the twenty first in this series on privacy and security SSH authentication keys by Ahuka and about how to use uh, public private key pairs for authentication instead of passwords and this is an excellent way to um, stop a lot of the password uh, database uh, attacks against your website because simply you don't have a password at all so um, definitely use an SSH on the public internet this is something that you should do. It also means, I mean, if you if you use something like an SSH agent, you can keep the keys for all your login once, open up the keys with your SSH agent, and then you just simply SSH to a site, and it takes care of the username and uh, or the authentication for you. So I use that all the time. First thing in the morning, I run my agent, and then I'm good for the whole day. How to run a conference, which was by Clinton Roy, and this was an absolutely excellent, um, uh, not only about all the things that go right, but all the things that go wrong. And it makes me want to never, ever run a conference again. So hands off, hats off to everybody who does put conferences together. Amazing, amazing, uh, amazing thing. So thank you, Clinton, for coming on board and uh, sharing that one with us. The following day, we had Archer72. Uh, coming with the case to back up Google email um, and the short enough show but um, short sweet and to the point is up there for one of the shortest shows ever so uh, 52, 50, 57 seconds however Google takeout Thunderbird email and import export tools for Thunderbird basically uh, explains exactly what you need to be able to do you can also set up uh, IMAP to a Google account and while it's IMAP, it's not 100% IMAP, or at least doesn't seem to be to be 100% IMAP, as your email is not always uh, removed as you would expect it to be. So okay. that. Yep, go ahead. Hey, uh, John Culp here. Well, John, you're just going to save the day because I <laughs> am here on my own. So let me, let me turn on text to speech. Turning on. Uh, actually uh, push to talk actually is what i mean to say right so do you want to start again or shall we uh, just uh we don't have to start again we could just uh jump in where you were i i had almost forgotten about this but then i thought i should probably check in just in case ken is all by himself thank you very much 
so kind of you. <laughs> um, I'm already up to 1923, uh, Plateau and System okay. 76. I can hear myself. Are you on speakers or do you have headphones? Yes, I was on headphones. Hold on, one sec. I'll put those. I'll put those on. How's that? That's got to be better. Sorry, I was taking a drink of coffee there. Uh, that's that's good. I I don't hear an echo now. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I was I was thinking. Well, if I'm on by myself, I'll just put get rid of the push to talk and put on the uh, speakers because then I can hear Makes people sense. coming. Uh, I would have done the same thing. So, System Seventy Six. If people don't know them, they're uh, dedicated to producing. Uh, computers with Linux on them, basically, and uh, seem like they have some very, very nice machines out there. I've uh, often wanted to buy one of these, and then I'm always, um, you know, the, the great thing about buying one would be that, uh, you know, the guaranteed hardware compatibility with Linux, uh, whereas when you buy a, a Windows machine and then wipe it out and put Linux, um, you run a little bit of risk unless you've done a lot of research ahead of time, but somehow the the prices i mean the prices are not terrible or anything but i can always find that i can get a windows machine for 100 200 bucks less yeah i i get that and i had the same thing myself uh well from suppliers over here but i made the conscious decision to pay the premium because uh, sometimes you just have to send a signal i do not want a machine with windows on it because every machine that you buy with windows on it is a you know it's it's an it's another notch on the on the bedpost basically yeah, I, the next time I buy a brand new one, I probably will go with uh, something like the System 76. Although the, the last computer I bought was one I uh, was inspired by NY Bill, who bought on eBay a uh, ThinkPad T210, a T201, uh, I think it was for something like $90, and I uh, put Linux on it. And so then I bought... I, I did the same thing. I, I found on eBay, I, I won an auction for $107, got a, a ThinkPad T201. For, uh, it's a pretty nice little machine. It's got a Core i5 uh, processor, 4 gigs of RAM. And um, I figure buying a used machine that uh, has known hardware compatibility, I'm uh, at least doing some, I don't know, environmentally sound thing to do. I know that what's his face uh, on the... The um, Software Freedom Law Center show used to always recommend buying used computers. Uh, Bradley Kuhn, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's... Uh, no, I I agree. And the, those uh, ThinkPads are nice machines, it has to be said. Yeah, I like it. I don't think it's going to be my main machine, but it's a really nice uh, laptop for, for that kind of money. For I mean, just over $100, it's hard to beat. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, 1924 port forwarding, and I like these because in 1900, Ahuka suggested changing the default SSH port, and I asked why not employ port forwarding, which is actually something I was thinking of at the time as well. Yeah, I normally will, uh, I, I, had, I don't think I had used port forwarding in quite the way that um, that he's talking about using here. I mean... What I did normally was change the default port of my SSH server and then just use port forwarding on my router to make sure that SSH queries went to the right uh, machine. And he's he's not talking about doing that precisely here, I don't think. I don't, he was thought I thought he was talking about that you uh, open the port on your router and then if it comes in on 2222 you forward it to 22 on an internal machine, which is what I do. 
Right. I think that's how he said to do it. And uh, the way I've always done it was to um, change the change it from the default 22 port to something else. On the server and itself? On the server also. Uh, okay. Um, that's what uh, Kevin was saying, uh, Hookah, in his show. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more inclined to do what uh, 50 was saying because you have to go to the port, you have to go to the router anyway to set up your port forwarding. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, Kevin uh, replied saying, it was a great show. I'm really happy that my friend 5150 has continued the conversation on this topic. I just, what I love to see in HPR, uh, it's like listening to the conversation we might have together at a conference. And that is exactly <laughs> yeah. it when people uh, do reply shows like this. It's absolutely awesome. Yep, agreed. And you can happily disagree with somebody. Uh, don't, feel, don't feel that you have to agree with Everybody, if somebody wants, if I say something wrong in a show, please do a show to correct me. It's I won't take any offense at it, yeah, unless you call, call me. Any, uh, everybody we'll makes friendly mistakes, about you it. know. Be friendly about it, but uh, yeah. So we, should we uh, post comments and do a follow up show, or just do one or the other? Uh, I would. I in my in my persona as a HBR record show, record a show, but uh, do both. I say. <laughs> or when you comment, the person who did the show reply back on, you know, you should do a show about that. Yep. I, I often put that in one of my comments. And then your list of uh, shows increases and that falls under that you've promised me a show. Right. There okay, you I mean, you know, as many shows as I've done this year, and it's probably been 30, 25 or 30 shows, yeah, I still there, have, yeah. I have a list of topics that I want to do that's still like a dozen long. Funny how that happens when you're in conversations with me, John, isn't it? <laughs> I, was, I was actually thinking about that very thing because I wasn't at Og Camp this year. And uh, I was looking at the uh, stream of the Ogcast, uh, you know, the Ogcasters um, presentation panel thing. And uh, all the shows, all the hosts that were there none of them had done more shows than Dave Morris. You know, if you count the right. shows Dave did and the community news shows, he was, he had done double uh, what most people had recorded and, uh, you know, was at least 10 higher than all any of the other people on the panel. <laughs> well, uh, that means some of those people need to record some shows, doesn't it? It does. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's the. I don't think we're uh, as uh, boisterous as we need to be on on HBR. Controversial is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I I don't know. I, I found that uh, w once you kind of get yourself a good workflow for these things, I I don't want to say that anybody should be intimidated from doing a show in the very for the very first time or anything. But uh, after you've done several of them, it just gets so much easier that uh, you just got to get over those first couple of ones and then. And I do. I mean, I recorded you know, three shows in three days this past week, and um, I just, you know, now that I had the time, I, I did it. But um, it's it's not that hard once you kind of get in the flow of it. Yeah, and if you if you do that and record a few shows, you know, you can bust them out once every month, or you know, every few weeks, or back to back, or whatever you want to do. So don't necessarily need to be coming out all at the same time. I, I usually do every two weeks, although I've got one. I, I haven't posted the third one yet because I'm waiting to see whether a desperate need arises. Yeah, yeah, good plan. Um, then we had uh, show 1925, KDE, KDE Live, part one, introduction to KDE uh, by Geddes, who had 
previously done a narrated show um, on his own accord based on an article that was in um, the awesome Epic Guide to KDE Part 1, uh, and that was in Linux Voice magazine. And um, he mentioned at the end of that that uh, you know he'd be interested in doing some more shows. And, of course, <laughs> I got in contact with him because I had just read an excellent, excellent series of articles from Seth Kenlan, uh, who's known to the community as well in other forms, uh, who for who had been on opensource.com and had done a series on Cadian Live. And uh, I, I think it, it, uh, it transfers well to audio. If you can look at some of the um, pictures from opensource.com, that might help. But um, I think it transfers very well to audio. It did. I, I love this. And um, I, I think it, this is one of the better video tools on Linux that I've found. I've tried numerous ones, but this one is the one I keep coming back to if I have to do any kind of video editing uh, for its ease of use. You know, it's not as powerful as something like, uh, I don't know, I've heard of people using Blender to um, do some video yeah, editing, yeah. But, but this one has not nearly so steep a learning curve and it, it just does what you need. You know, I... Wait until the end of this series, and then and then see if you still hold by that statement of it not being as powerful. Yeah, maybe I maybe I just don't know what its power really is. And there, to be honest, I go. don't do a whole lot of video editing. I do much more audio than video. Yeah, and uh, Geddes has a absolutely he you know one of these uh, reading the telephone telephone book voices. Uh, as uh, yeah, it's good. Pokey, Pokey would say. Pokey. Yeah, that, uh, I really like this. I'm looking forward to the next one. The National Measurement Institutes was HPR 1926, a short overview of the institutes and what they do. Now, right here, this is a show that I don't think anyone would think of submitting, but it is absolutely a perfect show because it <laughs> nails the topic right there. Yeah, these are really interesting and cool i would never have thought of doing something like this but it was great you know one of those things when you wonder if this is is this going to be of interest to hackers um yeah (laughs) absolutely and you know i was just thinking about that you know the whole the whole need to have weights and measures is such a fundamental thing to governments and organizations of governments you know this has been going back to for years upon years where where uh, you know merchants have been trying to rip off the uh, the people and the people go to the magistrate and the magistrate goes to the king and the king chops off people's things and you know the baker's dozen <laughs> being 13 uh, comes from the weights and measures thing because they were required to make, you know if they didn't supply 12 loaves then uh, if they shortchanged anyone in order to get over that, they gave an extra loaf. So, yeah, very interesting. So that was a, a security measure to make sure that nobody uh, ran afoul of the dozen thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly, because if they weighed all the loaves and they had shrunk or something, the weight was supposed to be um, whatever the weight was of 12 loaves. So in order to get around <laughs> that, they added another one in to make sure that they weren't going to lose their house or parts of their anatomy. See, I need to have that explanation like printed up on a little uh, business card size thing, because like my wife always, when she goes to uh, Target to get bagels, they've got really good bagels at at the the Target superstores here for whatever reason. But when she explains to the cashier that she's getting a baker's dozen because there's a a special price for a baker's dozen, these these poor young people have never heard of a baker's dozen before. And she oh, has dear. to explain to him, she has to explain to them every single time that, no, this really does mean 13. 
It doesn't mean 12. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Okay, yes, here's a QR code. There you go. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Excellent. The following day, Tlatu talks to Ansible at the All Things Open conference. He actually got to do quite a lot of uh, shows, and that's a uh, a way, it's actually quite cool. It's quite a cool way to uh, do graphs and automation and stuff like that. Manage your system, crunch complexity. Right, I'm trying to refresh my memory as to what this one was about. The The notes for this episode are very sparse, and so uh, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering exactly what this one was about, but I, I've enjoyed every one of these things that Klaatu has done at the conference. Well, according to the website, is a radically simplified IT automation engine that automates cloud provisioning, configuration management, application deployment, and uh, infra service orchestration, and many other IT needs. Sounds like something we all need. Yeah, this is the. Uh, it's a bit like uh, Puppet or Chef or CF Engine, where you do um, you, but it's all based on SSH. So. Um, you know, copies configurations over like if you're into if you're into server configuration management it's definitely something that'll be on your radar okay well i i do really <laughs> um low level server management but it's just the servers in my house and one at the office so i i've never needed to um keep an eye on dozens of servers at once or anything like that so i i this whole um thing it's a new um it's a new kind of tool yeah, to me also, a, a new way of thinking. I worked for a while in a, in a uh, place that was well organized like this, um, and they use CF Engine, and it's a it's a completely different uh, mindscape. Rather than connecting to the servers, you never actually connect to the servers. You do everything through the configuration manager, and the server comes on, and it just appears, and then it's configured, and you know you're finished with it, and then it goes away. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of these, especially for, um, you know, your um, Amazon type things where you bring up servers and you know they're dynamically provisioned, and then when you don't need them, you just get rid of them because they're costing you money, and you you take over basically on one server, and then the load increases five seconds later, you have four more servers in the air, and so it continues. We should get some people to actually uh, do some shows and that sort of stuff. I would. I would. That would be fascinating. I, I find it fascinating, but I'm also not into it. Which <laughs> is a f- funny thing to say. Yeah, that that whole uh, like generating new servers on the fly thing is is really interesting to me. I, I can't imagine a scenario where I would need to do it, but it's it's really interesting to hear people talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. The following day, we had Cove's Jams which uh, is 1928 and it's reviving a really old tradition we have um, here on HPR and indeed before that on Today with a Techie which was uh, Creative Commons licensing uh, playing Creative Commons licensed music and it was in the All Songs Considered um, series and I would like to take my hat off to Cove because uh, the first time I saw this oh somebody sending in uh, eight songs and i'm going oh right now i'm gonna have to gonna have to make sure that all the creative commons licenses are in order but every (laughs) single one was absolutely uh all of them were cc by sa no problems there so well done to him and also nice music yeah well i may have to go back and listen to that one i'll be honest i didn't listen to this one because i'm not normally I, i don't normally want to listen to a music podcast 
you know, uh, music is kind of something I do all day at work every day. Ah, uh, <laughs> and, <with> uh, <laughs> and so uh, I, I the the only music podcast yeah. I ever listened to is the Bugcast. I and, um, yeah, I'm with you. But I, I might go back and listen to it. Uh, it should be noted that this series, All Songs Considered, is the same title as a something on national public radio over here in the United States. They you have, uh... don't say. <laughs> is that is that something you guys are aware of? Yeah, considering that oh, we were okay. uh, Hacker Public Radio was picked because it was uh, uh, NPR, HPR. <laughs> okay, thing. I got you. Very good. I believe, at least. Although it's uh, it's not NPR anymore. It's international blah something something. Uh, I, well, NPR still exists. I don't know if All Songs Considered is under their um, uh, supervision anymore. Because Science Friday has moved off of NPR or to international something something. Might be a Public Radio International. That's the one, yeah. PRI, Public Radio yeah. International. I anyway, there were some comments on this. Uh, Shadowy Figure chived in going nice mix gov thanks for sharing i found the lineup of different genres refreshing looking forward to the next show and t cook tcuc says nice i can't wait for more i've heard a few episodes showcasing good cc music and i like having an easy way to listen to curated cc music keep them coming smiley face david l wentz uh wilson said yes i ran to my desk <laughs> at work to bring me billy Korg's problem. Thanks for an excellent jam, Cove. So, if nice. you did like that show, consider doing your own. If you didn't like that show, consider doing your own of favorites that you like. Yeah. See I'll what I did there, John? See what I, I did do. there? I do. If you didn't like it, then you gotta show them what really good music is like, huh? Yes, indeedy. <laughs> By the way, if anyone has found a flash, has lost a flashlight somewhere around Lafayette, Louisiana... <laughs> The next show Don't contact might, me. The next show might be of interest to you. Nineteen twenty nine, and I was thinking, God, this this torch it must be you kind of run over by cars as you were picking it up. It, it did. unbelievable. Is, it's a truly amazing piece of gear. I I had never seen anything like it, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's you have to like hold it in your hands and and shine it in the pure dark to really understand how great this is so i thought i had to record an episode about it i must say i do have a little bit of a a flashlight i won't say fetish now <laughs> it's not a fetish but i do have quite a lot of torches around it has to be said and i was thinking i really want one of these it's it's well worth the money i mean it it does cost a lot but man the quality is astounding so i, I even if you spend what on over here on amazon it's 125 dollars uh i don't think you would feel like you got ripped off yeah yeah i mean it's it's still a lot of money to pay for a flashlight it but, is um, it is but I, again if you're going you know if your job requires you to have a flashlight then i, I would like one that isn't going to crap out of me after five minutes yeah um the main thing would be not to lose it <laughs> absolutely or have your name uh, engraved on the thing yeah, well, they do come with serial numbers, so uh, you can keep track. I mean, I think the, the police department keeps track of their inventory that way. Each officer is assigned a flashlight with a specific serial number, and that's how they uh, control the inventory. But, um, you know, the police department here, when I contacted them, they said, no, we're not missing any. And so I, I got to keep it. Yeah, so all I, all I had to do was uh, buy a charger 
for what twenty eight dollars, and uh, man, I didn't even hesitate because I mean, even before I found this thing, even spending twenty eight dollars would have seemed like too much for a flashlight to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a comment on this from a shadowy figure. Thank you for this timely episode. Hey, Dr. Culp. <laughs> I just wanted to take a minute out to say this is the sort of episodes I tune in for. For one, they're informative. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the secondly, they're entertaining. But as for the flashlight, could you take a chainsaw resistant desk for it? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that's funny I, I get that now that i just yeah, listened exactly. to his episode I was going, uh, what was he on about all right yeah um, i didn't get we that we will explain until, that one later on yeah in the next uh month's um oh, episode it's later of, on uh, it's in this month it's in this show so i think we'll oh get, it is okay. yeah yeah i just listened to it this morning or yesterday though so i'm only now getting this joke i saw the comment when it came in but i didn't get the chainsaw resistant desk um joke there excellent uh the following day Actually, I just wanted to say on that, that, you know, in the, um, I know from being a mechanical engineer that things are deliberately designed to break after a period of time, you know, so you, you make it for, it must last so long, but no longer than that. So mm-hmm. it's like the sweet spot, but it is nice. Uh, it always guiled me as an engineer that you would do that. You know, you should build stuff right. to last if you're, if you're going to the trouble. And I think we as consumers should ensure that if we are doing stuff we buy stuff that is going to last where possible where possible yeah but man it does but how do you know price tag how do you know beforehand you know that's the thing it's hard to know yeah exactly one, which is one way to know is that these this is the kind of flashlight that all the law enforcement uses that search and rescue teams use i mean yeah, because they, yeah, yeah. they know they can count on it that's the thing. And uh, our washing machine is, <laughs> on a separate note, is, <laughs> is, is going, you know, just after the warranty's up, you know, and exactly as often as it said it would. And you just, you know, there's one that we want to get, but it's actually three times the price of it. So you have to work oh. out, is it, is it going to be worth it for the number of washes that you get? So... Well, the other uh, the other side of that would be to if you can't get the kind that will last forever, at least get the kind that's not too hard to work on yourself and and you know install a new belt in your dryer or your yeah, washer exactly, or, yeah. or whatever. I'm actually considering to, it's only a small leak, so it's got to be a pipe or something. So if somebody's got a how to repair a washing machine show in the pipeline, fire it over to. <laughs> I haven't done that, but I have done a few repairs on our clothes dryer put in new roller uh, wheels and a new belt and a new blower wheel and stuff like that. I didn't record a show about it, though. Maybe I should have. Yeah, uh, do. And if you've also got um, some kits that you've purchased, uh, like John here, well, not everybody's lucky as John, but <laughs> if, if you have some kit that you purchased that was a bit, I don't know, should I spend so much on that, and it worked out or it didn't work out, I'd love to hear about it as well. You know, rock-solid recommendations. That would be uh, that would be stuff we would like to hear about, stuff that would Agreed. be of interest to hackers. Okay, yep. let's move on. A System D Primer, episode 1930 by Clinton Roy. And what I think this was a presentation that he had done as well, and also a nice little overview of System D for us. I think uh, who was it did already did a episode on System D. Let me just look that up now. Yeah, I, I can't recall that um, immediately. But, uh, I like this episode. I've I've already been using system. I think most of us have probably had our systems switched over to System D. 
and uh, some of us may be kicking and screaming because we're so used to the init system. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, it's I I don't really I, I think it works pretty well as far as I can tell. Yeah, uh, it was Steve. Uh, Smithurst, I think, episode sixteen seventy two, System D for Learners. Okay. And we just need one more System D episode, and it'll be a series. <laughs> a series. <laughs> Somebody uh, write, uh, do one about how to make a System D uh, startup script, maybe. Yeah. This. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And I, I understand this. I've worked on Solaris and and a- a- AIX as well, and they have similar things, but I. Think it. I don't particularly like the way it's going. On the other hand, it is really nice the way they bring up uh, NFS shares and stuff. That uh, if you do that via System D, you can use NFS shares quite nicely on the laptop. So, mm. beginning well, to like it, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, I, I don't. Uh, I think it seems like on my system, I can still use the old init start and stop methods, and they work. So I don't know if they're both things still running side by side or if there just is some kind of uh, shoestring workaround where uh, if you run one of those old um, Etsy init uh, restart commands or something, it just knows what to do. I think uh, when you run it on Fedora, at least, it goes um, reassigning to, you know, it gives you a one-liner saying, yeah, you've asked for an init, but I'm actually running through uh, system control. Okay, I'm using Debian, and it might do something similar. I should probably yeah. find out. Anyway, Frank commented. Hopefully, it'll be on the right show this time. Nicely done. I do appreciate the big picture overview. It provides a context and frame of reference that many stories I've read about System D do not. And I think that's actually one of the things that annoys me about when you when you make a big switch like this is the time is spent on putting in the code, but the time is not spent putting in the getting the word out there about how it's going to work and stuff yeah and then what happens is you end up uh going by hearsay you just keep yeah, hearing yeah. things from people who have said oh it hosed my system it did this i hate it and and then you just get exactly. a lot of uh fear uncertainty and doubt running around whereas uh i, I don't know it it seems like this has not I remember uh, when System D was first deployed on Arch Linux. I, I was running Arch at the time, and um, it it hosed my laptop for a while. And I, it, I mean, and that kind of thing. I guess if you're running Arch, you you kind of take that with a certain um, diffidence. You know, you yeah. don't worry too much about yeah. it. But but on on Debian, if that happens, it's very upsetting. Yeah, I've had a the last um, release of Debian where System D was introduced. And it wasn't System D that caused the issue. It was incredibly, incredibly flaky. I had a had to completely rebuild a server and work that had been running for Oof. years. I was extremely unhappy about the, uh, I, the I bet. poor quality of the Debian upgrade. But anyway, yeah. the following day was another show by Amin. Can you do that for me? I could try. Uh, Amunizip. Amunis, Amunis P? I don't know. Amunis, I don't know what that is. Well, the show was extremely interesting to hackers. Atomic force microscopy, uh, nanoscale tools, and atomic force microscopes. Basically, an overview of, um, you know, everything when you get down to the nano uh, or micro level just this whole thing uh 
I find it super fascinating when you get down to that level of you know that's zoomed down to that scale it's amazing and this was an absolutely fantastic overview of the tools and how they work or the uh, microscopes how they work i agreed uh totally awesome way over my head and i didn't understand it but it's it's fascinating i mean just thinking about how people can work on anything so small uh, makes my head spin and so um yeah, it's great to hear somebody who actually knows how to do it it's a, I remember we needed to, when I was working as a, not as a mechanical engineer, but as in a place where there was mechanical engineers, mechanical engineering was ongoing. There were some things that they needed to, um, you know, really zoom down on and they had to send off some uh, things to try and get to check wells to see if, uh, one of their wells was, uh, whether it was what type of fracture was occurring within the weld, uh, within the weld, and basically they they were doing a root cause analysis, so they sent it off to be uh, you know investigated with these uh, nano uh, type or you know, really small views. And I thought at the time that was so cool when we got the uh, cool. images back. Yeah, it's awesome. Very very cool. Probably wasn't even down to a level like this, but still awesome. Anyway, there were two comments to this do you want to do the first sure comment number one by mysterio 2 great show interesting and informative keep them coming and uh, of course we all agree with the keep them coming part absolutely and the shagadoo figure was going around leaving messages everywhere good job good <laughs> job keeping us interested with a nice flow of interesting information looking forward to more couldn't agree more yep okay Tlatu interviews uh grafana was it grafana a powerful and elegant way to explore and share dashboards uh, and data within your team this is used by loads of projects and is um is like a graphical engine and the graphs are absolutely gorgeous cool i've never seen it before or even heard of it because this is just not the the area that i uh, work in but it, it was really interesting just go have a look at some of the the graphs that they have on there. They, we use it in work to uh, uh, for various different things, which I'm not allowed to say because blah blah blah. But we use it in work quite a lot. Our our tools that use these graphs and work, and you can bring in salespeople in, and they you know they get it. It's like the graphs are of the quality that you see in CSI. You know <laughs> that sort of I, stuff. I'm looking at some now. It really is beautiful. It's great. And the Shagudui figure says, good interview, Tlatu. Hi, Tlatu. Good job of asking questions and get to getting to the point and following up. Looking forward to more as always. You've got good radio skills. Yes, he does. <laughs> and the HBR Audiobook 11 Street Candles. And do you know what annoyed me about this one the most? No, what? It took so bloody long to get here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, uh, this was a... Have you read this book, Street Candles? I, I just started, you know, I started listening to the, um, to this episode uh-huh. and they were raving about it so much that I stopped listening to the episode and started listening to the book. And, very, and very I, good. That is exactly what you should do. And I'm not going to spoil it anymore. Um, right. if you, it's, I, yeah, I, I've not finished the book, book yet. I, I'm about 15 or 16 chapters in and I actually went and bought the ebook as well from, uh, the Kobo yeah. store. Um, and, uh, David, wonderfully, he, he's one of the authors who provides the EPUB without DRM, 
So we all appreciate this. And though I, I don't mind paying the $5.99 for a non-DRM file. And of course, the first thing I did was to hack it to make it look the way I wanted to. Of course. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I, and it, you know, sci-fi and space opera, it's not really my deal most of the time. Although I, I've read all of the Nathan Lowell books and I like them. But um, I, I mainly got this one because... Um, uh, Lost in Bronx is a guy that I go way back with, all the way to my first um, experiences on the Linux Outlaws user forums, where I first met NY Bill and Jezra and all those folks. So, so uh, I just wanted to support his work. But it's a really good book, too. He he is a very, very talented guy. He's, I mean, the, the reason I'm here behind this microphone is because of an episode he did on HPR. Uh, about pug fading and you know the correct way to approach it and uh, so at the time i applied his his knowledge to uh suggesting that we reinvigorate hpr and um yep so here we are um but i saw uh i'm sorry go ahead no go on go on I was just saying that it looks like there is a, a follow-up episode to this coming up where they interview yes. David. So I'm, I'm really looking well. forward to that. And he his com- his stuff goes from comedy right up to dark. Uh, and they mentioned it in this book uh, as well, but there's um, the, the one he did another one, uh, Blue Heaven, which was uh, very... Very thought-provoking. I st- still class that as one of the best pieces of literature I've read, and I'm not not talking about space, whatever. Oh. I definitely would class that? it among their uh, pieces of classic works. Anyway, cool. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the guys doing this episode because it turned. You know, I I was aware that David did these kinds of things, but it, you know, when you get busy doing whatever you do every day, you kind of forget to check and see if there's anything new out. And so uh, I was glad that they did this. So I. Um, Go and uh, check it out. And the audiobook club apparently is going strong still, which is excellent. And I need to find out what the uh, next week's show or the next month's book is because I haven't downloaded it yet. I saw what it was, but I've forgotten now. It seems like it's something uh, that we all have heard of before. Uh, but I'm just, uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> the Call of. Uh, the Call Cthulhu. of. That'd be the one. H.P. Lovecraft. Remember? Oh, yeah, it's a Lovecraft, right. Uh, Lovecraft is classic stuff from the, what, 30s and 40s, 50s? I, I don't know. It's from quite a while back. Fair enough. I'm downloading it as we speak. <laughs> All right. The following day was part two of the saga of Mego T02 by a shadowy figure. <laughs> and I told him off a little, or I asked him yeah, about comments about... Um, basically feedback and this is marked as uh okay let's deal as deal with the show it is excellent series i love it i don't know why Mm -hmm. i don't know if i love it because of the genre which i always loved anyway or whether it's because of all the in jokes in there so i'm wondering if somebody not from hbr is listening to the not familiar with all the people he's talking about would get as much out of it as we do i i doubt it but they might um enjoy it anyway i think uh i mean for us it's hilarious i mean it, it, it cracked me up to hear him make references to uh episodes that i've done about the lafayette public library's makerspace and my two dollar awesome, yeah. the two dollar microphone made an appearance and uh 
Sorry. I really Dave loved Mad it. Dog uh, Morris comes in. Exactly. <laughs> I just thinking this is so absolutely not Dave Morris. <laughs> you better right. yeah, um, quiet, unassuming Dave. Yeah, exactly. I just it just cracked me up. Um, yeah, it was some, great. Some comments to that was from a shadowy figure. He uh, upload updated the show notes at the comments, which I need to. Uh, you know, clear out. And I need to also come up with a better way of having hosts update the comments after they've posted the show. Yeah. But anyway, we have a list and very little time. Anyway, Frank says Lost you there. Okay. It was a rainy day, gloomy, sad and empty. There was <laughs> rain and not much else. I had some urns to run, gloomy or not, urns must be run. I found myself driving down the street with my little pickup, recycling waiting to be recycled in in the bed, listening to some fellow who calls himself a shadowy figure. He was saying stuff. I wanted a drink. But I'd left the scotch at home, and any scotch is better (laughs) than anything else. But if you got no scotch, you have to make do. I was beginning to wonder to myself, a shadowy figure fellow taking his schlick one step too far. Shtick, sorry one step too far and then he said something and i found myself laughing out loud all by myself in my little pickup truck <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah that the comment probably and your method of delivery won't make a whole lot of sense unless you've heard this episode in the last one but it was <laughs> really funny and then uh, i left a comment just saying that i loved it and how uh, he made reference to my uh, public library thing and the two dollar microphone and by the way, the $2 microphone is my mic of choice nowadays. Yeah? I I use, use it for almost everything. I need to go and get myself one of them. If I were you, I'd buy five. Yeah? I, I think that's what uh, Dave of the Love Bug, uh, you know, the Love Bug Dave, yeah, um, yeah. I think he bought a pack of five of them. And uh, he's been using them. There was some reason he needed one at the church where he goes. I think they needed a replacement for their... Uh, microphone there and he said this was better than the ones that they were paying forty dollars for wow and, um i use it with my phone and with my uh zoom and uh man it's great it sounds it's not professional quality but man, it sounds pretty good and especially for two bucks just sending myself a note about that yeah i've, I've got a link to the um device on my episode about the yeah, two dollar yeah. microphone yeah i guess you did Okay, so where were we now? That was all the, all the episodes. Yeah. I really uh, hope um, Shadowy Figure does uh, does some more shows. Now I've got a question for everybody: Is that show um, uh, what's the word clean explicit? And the reason I ask is this: I don't really give a rat's ass myself because um, I can understand why it's needed in the ham radio thingy, but on the iTunes show we're marked. The whole HPR feed is marked as explicit, but the shows themselves can be marked as clean or not explicit. And I know that if you go to the HPR Get Shows, the RSS feed, that you will, uh, there's the options in their uh, advanced settings. You can filter out based on whether your feed is um, explicit or not. And we did that because people are using the HPR shows um are downloading that and playing playing the stuff over PA systems. So, really, not that. So, 
Um, the other thing is, if we were, as most of our shows are, quite frankly, technical in nature, 95% of them never have any, you know, root, quote, rude words or not in them. It's all uh, because of Jezra. Well, perhaps not. <laughs> so the thing is, if we removed the explicit on the Hacker Public Radio main feed, that would give us more publicity, not that I particularly worried about that but then we would need to rely on the explicit tag being correctly assigned on each of the individual shows so right. to finish off my point the only reason i don't i will not be making that decision folks because i have my own moral sets of views and i believe that children should know how to curse properly within the confines of their home home <laughs> and they should know how to do it uh not to do it in public and you'll give people the correct respect that they deserve and whatever so it doesn't matter to me, but uh, I can definitely see that it would matter to other people. And if if we incorrectly assign a show and then um, you, and it's reported to iTunes, iTunes simply throw people off the iTunes feed. And we do get a percentage of people coming in through iTunes still. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't remember hearing anything in that episode that was explicit, was there? Yeah, but you see, it's not, that's the thing. The explicit thing, as far as the US, you're coming from the US, you know what explicit is because you listen to the shows and you're used to it. But to me, um, here, you're not allowed to have, uh, you know, blatant smoking, blatant drinking, you know, referring to, I don't know. Oh, I see. It's because it goes. And this uh, Tlatu was commenting on, because Tlatu had uploaded a image, you know, a um, avatar. Uh, of from a, a horror film that I would have considered um, to be an explicit image, as opposed to you know people saying the f word or whatever. Mm-hmm. So explicit has to be if we're using explicit, and this is a global thing. Then, as I put it on the website, um, if you're putting explicit stuff in, then you need to make sure that it's not being explicit for anybody anywhere in the world, basically. Oh so, my god. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now think about that for a while, you know. Yeah, I, I don't have time to track down that uh, kind of information. And but, uh, you can't even get it for the US. You cannot get a list of the words that are considered explicit. The TV studios do not have them. They build, They have their own word of a list of about 60 words that you're not allowed to say. Mm. And then if you deviate from that, um, you know, they get fined. And then they, okay, okay, we know that's a word that we're not allowed to say. And the fines are significant. But- I thought it was the FCC that would have that information. They don't. They do not publish what it is because they. That's a moving root, target. Yeah, I guess. it's a moving target exactly. And what I find funny here is that some of the words that are extremely rude in Ireland are used in everyday conversation here as you know just a naughty word. Hold on one second. Hmm. So um, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, it's an absolute minefield. I don't want to go down into it. So I, I'm happy with any host picking whatever uh whatever they feel is correct but i just want everybody to know if i ask that question the reason i'm asking that question and that i don't particularly care but if it comes to it and um say for example john you put up a show and you mark it as uh, clean and it's explicit for some reason which i doubt but um that i want to make sure that you um you okay? I consider the show cl- what I've said to be uh, clean and safe for appropriate audiences. Then I want to know that I can stand behind you, and that later on it wasn't we got thrown out because I accidentally mislabeled your uh, feed when you actually intended it to be explicit. You see my yeah, point? I do see it. 
And I do I have contacted more than one, uh, quite a lot of people in the past about this particular one. And I, I just want to make it clear. I'm not, uh, you know, you need to, uh, I need to ask the question. I don't particularly want to ask the question. And uh, which is just for me, it's easier if all the shows are marked explicit, then I don't have to worry about it. But then, uh. but then nobody has anything to listen to on uh, the, the other shows. But I would say, just as a HPR guy, you should always listen to all the shows before you uh, have them publicly listened to by minors or somebody who would be offended. Yeah, I call that proof listening. And I, I do it at least That's two one. times for every one that I, every one I upload, I listen to at least two or three times. I don't. I just mark it explicit and be told. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, to be fair, I'm not always listening for that. I'm listening for uh, just whether it's working or not or whether I did just make sure one last time that I really did put the intro and outro and all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, shall we do the community or the mail, mail list? list? I've got uh, a link here on the HPR website. Paste and send. And that's um, that's got the archive for December. Okay, going now. So we had uh, Hunky Magoo and fifty one or yeah, Hunky Magoo and fifty one fifty basically decided to. Uh, be in the lead for the HPR show so uh, rather than reading all the news I'll just kind of summarize it um, they recorded the HPR show I put on a recording here as well for early um, they had said it was just going to be limited to 6pm uh, in the US 6pm uh, UTC basically the US time period and uh, but I, I set the recording up anyway, and it just recorded ones and zeros, uh, basically <laughs> yeah. zeros. So we have to thank uh, John Newsteader, obviously for for hosting the Mumble server, and this is the Mumble server that we're actually using now. Um, he, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but he's put uh, he's got a whole server there for um, various different uh, shows uh, that are. Open Source Musicians Podcast, for example, the Python Experiment, Unseen Studio, Podnuts. Um, got lots of rooms there for recording shows, and he very yeah, kindly does it for us. Uh, yeah, that's very nice. Thank you, John. And we don't thank him enough for that. Uh, Kevin Wisher also provided a stream of the Mumble uh, server, and he he has... That's a, he just set that up by himself and went ahead with it. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, Taj Sara, can you please pronounce that? Taj, I think. Uh, provided, I don't see the name. Oh, hold on a sec. These were on the website, so I uh, just... There it's it. Am I looking in the wrong place? Oh. I pasted it into the chat. Okay, hang on one sec. Um, see Josh Knapp, Hockey Magoo. And where did you put it? Oh, uh, Taj Zara? That's the one, Taj Zara. Why can't I say that? Provided the Ethernet pad. Uh, Bert. Yeah, that was cool. Bert Yerke. Sounds good to me. Uh, provided the funds to uh, extend the bandwidth of the Mumble server for the period of time that we were doing it. Normally it's uh, quite low. Dave Lee of the podcast offered uh, the use of his Mumble server and, uh, and associated infrastructure. And of course, we need to thank uh, Josh Knapp, who is from anhonesthost.com and a ho- host here on HPR for providing the HPR infrastructure. Awesome. 
And of course, Honky Magoo and 5150 for putting it together and thankfully editing the show, which is something that I never slice and dice it, guys, is my advice. Slice and dice it. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure that they were going to use the uh, truncate silence thing liberally on this because there were long periods of silence. There were indeed. Um, So other than that, we had a question about the show notes, which was the um, JavaScript, what you see is what you get thing. Oh, no. Well, not again. <laughs> you know what we're uh, what Dave and I have uh, decided to do is uh, we are going to now have a drop down list on the website, which will have um, it'll just default to you know plain old text. Then you'll have mm-hmm. plain text with formatting, uh, which will be just the whole thing will be wrapped in pre tags, and then you can select your markdown and you can select HTML and whatever you select. That's what it's going to be processed as. That'll work. Um, I, there's something similar to that on um, the learning management system we use at the university on Moodle. Um, when, well, in, a, in your profile, you can select whether to have a WYSIWYG editor or use a plain text window. And I use the plain text, but underneath the window, there's a drop down menu with four options. There's one where uh, it's plain text, then there is HTML, there's Markdown, and then the fourth is Moodle auto format, which it, I guess, just tries to figure out what you're <laughs> doing and uh, apply appropriate formatting. But uh, it works really, really well. Yeah, we're just going to, um, I think Dave and I are both spending too much time on fixing show notes for people. So um, it would be better to just make that option available and then allow people the option to go back and edit it themselves. Love it. Um, there was an FTP password change because I'm an idiot, basically, and I did no, a, no, no. Well, I did. A, I was in a conversation, and I thought I was having a private, you know, admin conversation, and uh, I leaked far too much information out. And most people should be aware of. Yeah, just be careful about it. I guess. What an opportunity to update the password. Mm-hmm. I I put myself in the corner for a while. Let me just say that. Uh, Josh, good, man. Josh upgraded the GitLab as well. He continues to plot away improving stuff on the back end. And, uh, you know, when we say we're the admins, that's not really true. More like volunteers um, or facilitators might be a better word. And um, so uh, Josh is happily working there on that. Excellent. Uh, Lord D uh, scale 14x is going ahead. I forwarded that on, and Lord D is going, and hopefully we'll be able to get some interviews out of it. I'm sorry, I must be looking at it. Are you seeing all of these messages in sequence somewhere? Because yep. I'm, I'm seeing a. I'm jumping. I'm jumping over all the HPR community off topic ones. You should see December 2015 archive by thread. Do you have that? Uh, yeah, but it looked like you were going to. You jump backwards from the password change to Lord Drakenblut? Uh, yes. Go with it. Go with it, John. Okay. Sorry. I'm just trying to make sure I'm looking at the same thing you are. Then um, yeah, I'm going to skip over the New Year show ones. They're not really relevant at the moment. Oh, wait. Uh, no. I'm sorry. Lord Drakenblut had something after all those uh, community news. Thing. I see it now. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So let's skip over the New Year show ones as well. Um, they... Josh, uh, we had to, or we, he had to do short version. The people running the knock aren't being too helpful uh, to issues that they've been having. After one such issue this morning, that's got him out of bed at 2.30. And the poor people, yeah. 
uh, he's moving up the time frame. So he moved those servers. The only thing that we saw as a result of that was a issue with the FTP, um, yeah. which has now been resolved. The subject of a next thread. Yes, exactly. Another thread. Then we, uh, I asked uh, how to check if the intro and outro are added, because if the intro and outro are added, uh, if we can determine that, then that's one less question that we need to ask on the website, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is better. Um, the only thing, sometimes I need to contact uh, hosts when I see that the intro isn't added, and I process it that way, and then I listen to it, and uh, then we have two HPR intros on it, or I, they say that it is added, and then I process it that way, and then there's no intro. Then I have to go back and delete all the files <sighs> and clean everything up. So um, I would really be nice to have a way to at least, yes, I can confirm that the HPR intro is there, confirm that the HPR outro is there. That would be nice to have. You know, I might talk to... Um... My, we've got a professor on faculty who deals with um, uh, the, our media students, and he might know a solution to this kind of thing. I don't know if he would know one that's scriptable, but he might be able to point me to something. I and mean, he's really, really good with uh, audio analysis and stuff like that. Cool. If you, uh, because Carl D. Hamman, I think, Hamman, uh, replied with echoprint.me, which looks very, very interesting to do fingerprinting mm-hmm. of particular music for uh, deduplication of your record collection or identification of songs in your record collection. So we would be kind of doing it backwards. We would register that song and then tr- see and f- see if we could find it within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I followed that thread, but it sounded like both, uh, like everyone in the thread said it sounded really promising but that they were out of their depth yes yes so if you could bring that to your friend then uh, we yeah. would, uh and just send us the code that would be absolutely awesome yeah i'll, I'll talk to him about it then so a bunch of new year's shows updates yeah i'm just going to skip over all of those as well and uh yeah i made a change to the um to the upload thing uh because I, I'm kind of paranoid, I must say, when it comes to accepting random stuff from random strangers on the internet, especially when your site is called Hacker Public Radio. So <laughs> um, up until now, I've been just checking um, to, you know, you you click, you put in your email, it sends you a link, you click on the link, and then you go to the web page. So um, if you don't click on the link after a while, after a few minutes, they um, it's basically that entry is removed. However, if you do click on the link and you don't process the show, then it remains in that state forever because I worked, oh, okay, it's a random link. Okay, that's fine. Problem with that, though, is if we don't have a lot of shows in the queue and we need to say, you know, tomorrow's show needs to be filled and somebody goes and locks that show, then we have a problem. So... Um, mm-hmm. What I'm doing now is I'm going to uh, I'm going to make sure that that is um, that is blocked. So if somebody you know we free that up uh, after four hours instead of indefinitely. So uh, at the minute I'm not doing it. I'll do it manually, but uh, I do keep an eye on that. But I'm working on a cron job script to do that to clean it up. And we may also, if it becomes a thing where people are being naughty, we might need to either ban 
those e- email addresses or IP addresses, but we'll see how it goes. Um, as far as HPR community stuff goes and how the show, sh- you know, the direction we should take, that's always done on the mailing list. But as far as security issues are concerned, uh, we have a very clear line that we will do whatever it takes to protect the uh, the servers and infrastructure. Very good. So that's why sometimes uh, you people are not consulted on security decisions. Makes perfect sense. And then we had a um, big long thread about the FTP server issues. So I don't know if you want to go into the result of that. Well, it, the result is that it's fixed. Uh, I mean, the, the issue is that there was some um, mode or protocol that no longer worked after the site changed. And like for that, such that... Uh, I was not able to upload shows using FileZilla, which is what I normally had used as my FTP yeah, yeah. client. But it did work when I just use straight old command line FTP, and so I, I used that. But it sounds like um, Josh, I guess, has, has solved the issue and everything's working yeah. normally again. And I think it was a case where uh, Josh... Uh, knew exactly what was wrong and uh, was not in a physical location uh, right. to be able to resolve us given the time of year and family and all the rest. So yeah, well, there was an easy enough workaround and he fixed it. So it's all, it's all good. It's all good. And the during that entire thing, the upload via HTTP, John was available. Upload via HTTP, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. Only the problem is that uh, I would have done that if I had still had access to that page. Okay, the the nudge, nudge, wink, wink back to myself, yes. Yeah, I mean, because I actually tried that. I tried going back to my email and clicking that link, but then once you have clicked submit, you no longer have access to that page. Yeah, you're done, yeah. I'm going to do, instead of investing time in all the WYSIWYG stuff, I'm just going to do uh, focus on that so that when the show gets posted, people can look at their show and go, oh, that's crap, I'll go back and I'll edit it again. Yeah. That's probably time well spent there. Yeah, and I also want to, um, I've been thinking about the, in your profile, when you upload a show, you get you can fill in your email key, so your um, PG, GPG key or PG key. Mm-hmm. Your, your public yeah, key? For- basically, yes. And what I was thinking about there was um, to make sure that people uh, are able to edit their own shows and post their own shows without any... Um, you know, you can self-approve your own shows, basically, mm-hmm. right? Because right now we will not accept any shows without it being verified by, uh, you know, volunteers, basically, uh, which mm-hmm. will be uh, the admin list and whoever happens to be on that. And that kind of makes sense because you need to check for, you know, cross-site vulnerabilities, blah, 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 attacks yeah. on the website and stuff. However, there are certain people who have posted enough shows and we know who they are. So um, if you have a signed key, then you will be getting a signed something or other from wherever. And then those people who are quote unquote trusted would be able to um, basically post their own shows without and go back and edit their shows without having to go through the authorization thing. Uh, That sounds like a good plan uh, going forward to take some of the load off you guys. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's more that, uh this is a peer community so 
by definition, we shouldn't be involved at all. So we should just automate <laughs> yeah. it and have the peers review it themselves because I got a uh, email from somebody during the week um, which I asked, brought up very, very, uh, well, it was last week or the week before, about brought up some very interesting questions about, um, you know, the stance HPR takes and should we, uh, that we should be curating the audio um, uh, that's been sent in and that there's a need for that. And I said, yeah, fair enough, there is, but that's not what HPR is about. HPR is about, um, you know, posting shows. And he, he or she made the comments that, yeah, but you could get somebody submitting three hours of farts. And if that's of interest to hackers, that's allowed. And I'm going, <laughs> yep, actually, that that would be posted in, in our current way. But, you know, we've managed to run for 10 years without that happening. And any of the shows that are out right. of the ordinary have been the ones that have caused the most interest to people. You know, I've I found that to be the case as well. You know, I I really thought twice before posting things like uh, the one about uh, folding a fitted sheet or about uh, the flashlight. Uh, but you know, people seem to respond to those more than some of the technical ones that I do. Yeah, I think the technical ones people file them and file them as yes i know i've heard that and now i know where to go back and get it if if needs be and you know on those ones i've said it before you know you get comments two years later three years later from people going yeah i heard your show and you know there's an easier way to do that yes there is now but there wasn't at the time so (laughs) you know um but these out of the ordinary shows are like a little bit of light refreshment in between and now for something completely different as this there we go Yep. So the last topic was uh, IRC etiquette or a requested topic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Requested topics. Just so you know, if you want to request a topic, you can either send a tweet at uh, HPR with the requested topic or um, on send it to the mail list or just admin at hackerpublicradio.org will also work. And I might even, uh, I, I'm kind of a noob at IRC. I mean, I've done it a number of times, but uh, like I learned just in the last couple of weeks some tricks that apparently just people who are old school thing. IRC. Right, well, I, I use, <laughs> there's that. But um, NY Bill taught me over the, the, the course of a few exchanges on IRC how to get uh, IRSSI, IRC, going on my server and then connect to it using Tmux. And you know, these are awesome tricks that I never knew about. I guess H, uh, Bill actually did do an HPR episode about that, about that. And that's what I went and listened to to uh, figure out how to do it. But then, like, I, I couldn't figure out basic things like how to exit a channel without quitting all the way out of and stuff like that so yeah. you might be surprised how basic it needs to be for someone even like me who's pretty good technically uh, who just hasn't ever done that before and uh, this is exactly why i ask it because i've got an IRC, uh, irssi session in the screen session and i go into that and that's what i do because i have no clue everything outside of that i have no clue and also i walked into the room and I was asking uh, Hunky and fifty one fifty for stuff, and never once, you know, thought that I'm uh, I might be flaming them because it's absolutely not my intention to do that. As uh, you know, I was having this you know round the cooler conversation with these guys, you know, but obviously that's uh-huh. not what you should be doing. So I should have a personal message to them, I think, but I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I nor do I. I don't I don't know how to either. <laughs> Well, it was funny because I listened to um, the day. So today's IRC logs, I will listen to. Uh, I do um, 
text to speech and the log files and I listen to those log files then either uh, you know coming home from work and stuff and then as I was listening to one of the days it was like John Culp hits Dave Morris with a fish John Culp hits thingy with a fish uh, it was quite funny well somebody has set I, are, are you the one who set up those uh, those shortcuts on the web interface of it was on Ogcast Planet on no. the web interface nope don't know so, if you click the link uh, at the bottom of the HPR website, there's a link to Ogcast Planet, and yeah, you yeah, can log into in the IRC on a web browser, and that's what I did. And there's like if you right click or just click on somebody's uh, ID name in the right hand column, you have a few options. One of which is to slap them with a fish, and so that's what I was doing. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, maybe a good uh, topic, not only uh, IRC etiquette, but how to set up things like um, the bot responses and uh, I guess these are scripting things where it's listening for certain keywords and then it responds with uh, preloaded text or something. The HBR bot and stuff is is done like that. That's uh, um, oh, I can see his name in my face but I can't put a name on him. Hold on one sec. Crayon, of course. Crayon. 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 Okay. And he is he the had, one who wrote the bot? Yeah, he has the bot running so like he parses the HBR website and then posts a show when the show comes out. And I'm just, I just log into IRC as the first thing in the morning. To, and I was hitting a dot to see if anybody had left me messages in the night. Cause I'm pretty much out of the time zone that there's quite a good overlap between mm-hmm. um, Australia and the U S but not, I'm kind of out of it. So if somebody leaves me a message, I have to hit something, send a message before the bots realize I'm awake again. So, <laughs> So when you say that you were listening to the logs, do you uh, have this read back to you with a, a text-to-speech or something? Yeah, I do lots and lots of stuff with text-to-speech. Just pipe it through eSpeak and uh, you play it. That's pretty cool. I've never really used it. For, I mean, I use eSpeak all the time in conjunction with Blather for the various commands that I um, do with my voice, but I've never really used it as far as uh, to consume information that I have in text format. Yeah, I've uh, it it saves my life. I have to read lots and lots of specifications and stuff, and uh, you know you're going through, uh, you know, page after page after page of stuff, and I'll just stand up. I've got a standing desk, and I'll put on the headphones, and I'll have the PDF or whatever open, and I'll just follow along. And then you know you're there, and then suddenly you hear somebody going. And the vendor will not uh, be held responsible for any damage. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa oh, wait, hold on there. Hold on. <laughs> whoa, hold your horses. And then you look at the um, like the PDF, and it's this tiny thing snuck in. And you go, oh, yes, snake. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. Do you do you set uh, eSpeak to read at uh, super high speed, or do you uh, h- how do you deal with that? Yeah, twice. Twice the limit. Two times? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. We have some additional comments um, to shows from before, and this first one was on a show, Raspberry Pi Accessibility Breakthrough, and it was by Mike Ray uh, about Quiet Boot. And I'm not sure why Quiet Boot messages should suddenly only start being heard when the audio code I wrote is employed, but to silence them, you can put quiet at the end of the single line in boot command line.txt. So that's an ongoing discussion that he's having over there. Okay. 
response to Ahuka's home SSH server 1870 episode, there was a um, comment by X zero X F one zero. That's the one. Yay! <laughs> I, boy, I wish people they they need to give like uh, uh, instructions on how to pronounce these user names here. The uh, well, subject. It, it's just hex. It's a F one zero E. That's it. I wonder what color that is. Is that is that a, a hex color or is that a? It could be uh, an age. Let me see. Oh, uh, you know, you're forcing me to go and find out what. Yeah, it could yeah. be anything. Don't bother. But anyway, he says, yep, no clear text. First thing is DH key exchange. Basically, quote, know that we speak privately and securely. Let me tell you who I, the server, am, end quote. Think about it. Any other way would leave the client open to a man in the middle spoofing the server's keys. But of course, when you ignore the changed fingerprint on the server, you won't know who is receiving your credentials. With PubKey Auth, you don't have to worry about losing anything usable to impersonate you. Also makes brute force login attempts infeasible due to the vast number of possible keys. Exactly. Now, uh, I don't know what happened there, but we got disconnected from the server. Hi, John. Can you hear me? Oh, I'm back. And Kevin's Not- here, but he's quiet. I'm not sure what happened there. I was uh, disconnected from the server, and then it kept trying to reconnect, and it was uh, refusing the connection. I, I just pinged you in the IRC channel, but uh, you may not have seen it yet. Okay. Anyway, back. What was the last you heard? Uh, I think the last I heard was about the SSH uh, pub key authentication thing, the, the comment that I read out, actually. Man, these are a lot of comments here. I'm running out of battery power on my laptop as well. Okay, let's quickly go. Th- let's quickly go through some of them. So we had that key exchange. There was also a comment from Eric um, asking for Lux encrypted ISO command. There was a uh, comment by Clinton Roy explaining that they have uh, an awful lot of. Um, they also have problems with uh, mosquitoes in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank posted a comment to free my music, uh, get music off the Mac. Uh, out of curiosity, he's never used a Mac. Why do you need uh, root to copy your own files? For example, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, PostScript to copy file with a space name. You can either escape the space with the preceding backslash or enclose it in quotes. Actually, good point. I wanted to mention that as well. Yep. Then we had uh, two comments to apt splunking TV time patch and starfish from uh, Windigo, and the first one from was from comment from Windigo. The definition it's definitely not an terribly intuitive interface, and this is related to a comment of Dave Morris. Um, uh, I think it applies all the actions you add to each image, and you have to very explicitly assemble a chain. And Dave uh, replies. That it seems to have a lot of potential. He's assembled several pictures for HBR episodes. He wants to scrape the metadata and stuff. Um, I know that Patch is all about do stuff to stuff. Uh, I do understand the do stuff, please, but find the to stuff a bit cryptic. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't remember what uh, package this is, this patch. I, I, I'll have to go back and look and see what it is. It was uh, chain lim- chaining uh, image processing. So it was pretty... Oh, pretty- that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was uh, Charlie Reisinger on Penn Manor comment uh, when Klaatu interviewed him and uh, loved the interview. And Charles and L- in- NJ 
put in a comment and this uh, basically with a link to a TEDx uh, video and I watched this video and to be honest I was swelling up with tears at the end of it it oh, is man. so nice I should be, I, I missed that it, it totally escaped my attention I'll have to go watch that later then we had a to your episode actually on uh, open embedded media music textbook we had a comment from Frank saying, though it's been a long time since I have to buy one, I fully share your sentiments about college textbook industries. The publisher blocks the path to learning, raising their flintlocks to students and cry, stand and deliver. <laughs> Something I, like that. I yeah. had to chuckle when I read that, I must say. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Frank. And on episode QMMP, the QT-based multimedia player by Frank Bell, uh, Frank replied, uh, it was... Nice to feel a bit of nostalgia. You make me feel old, will you? Well, I'm old. I've never been a senior. I will be a cranky old man. You're young whippersnappers with your newfangled media players. <laughs> and that, I think, is it for this month. The rest were uh, comments that we've already covered in the show. Alrighty. Anything else that we need to talk about, John? It's probably gone on long enough. We've tested everyone's patience to the extent that we should. I think we're done. I am surprised people listen through these shows. Even the ones that I do myself, I know that people listen to them and it, it shocks me. Sometimes I wonder, is there any point doing a show every month just about all the shows that you've heard and all this information is freely available to everybody? So, but I think there is because I, uh, I mean, there are a couple of things that we just touched on that I missed during the month uh, and I'm going to go back and check them out now. And yeah. I, I do listen to this whole episode normally, but I, of course, do it at about 1.7 times speed. And so it's not quite as long as it seems. Yeah, true enough. True enough. I, the reason I started in the first place was because um, quite often hosts come. Well, basically, people don't give feedback ever. <laughs> people do not give feedback. <laughs> a lot of the feedback that you get, uh, there's a lot more feedback now than there was. So if there's anything that you can do for the community, it's to give people feedback. There is nothing nothing as cool as getting somebody going hey man thanks very much liked your show that is it just brightens up your day your whole day is brightened up with that i agree and you know and people uh well sometimes I, w I wish more people would give feedback here on these comments so that they would be a public because like I, when i first logged into the irc recently i had several people in there say oh by the way i've really been enjoying your hpr episodes and i you know this is the first i've heard of it from these people and i never yeah, so it'd be cool if they would post on the, the website here too so that uh, we get that feedback immediately. I uh, I will give Dave his tasks now that he's sick uh, to filter through the H <laughs> the IRC logs and filter out all the comments <laughs> from HBR. Oh, he'll love that as a, as a scripting challenge. Throwing his Sansa clip across the room when he hears that one. <laughs> But you know, be you know what, Dave? You, all you need to do is put the seed in the back of his mind and he won't be able to stop himself. Yeah, I, I know that about Dave. <laughs> That's funny. Excellent stuff. We will actually be meeting up with Dave um, this time next month. Dave and I are heading over to uh, Fostem again and bringing my uh, nephew over to the free open source conference in Brussels. Awesome. I wish I could be there. Yes, I will indeed. be uh, busy learning how to be the boss in my You're new boss. job here. Yes, sir. 
Well, good luck uh, with that, John. Uh, thank you. I'm a little apprehensive, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I, it probably means fewer HPR episodes, but I'm still going to try to put the odd episode out anyway. Yeah, also, uh, folks, I had a look at the um, the schedule, and it was a bit scary there for a while this month. And now that uh, John and uh, Ahuka are stepping back a little, we do need people to uh, jump on in. And remember your New Year's resolution, one show a year. That's all we're asking for, folks. One show a year. <laughs> not that hard. No, it's not, actually. And once you get into it, it's it's kind of cool. You see, come along, you do a few shows, and then you think, hey, I wonder would people be interested in that? And then you do it, and people love you, and you're stopped in the street. And pretty cool. I'll tell you what, man. It's, it can be hard to deal with the fame that comes from this, though. It is. It is. <laughs> yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. All right, Ken. Are we done? Are done. Thank you, John. Made it a lot easier doing the show. Alrighty. It was fun. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye. Oh, tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Are you going to sing that song now? Join us now and share the software. You'll be free, hackers. You'll be free. I now actually have to edit this because I got three different sections to this. I have my kids come on and uh, say hello because we hadn't said hello during the New Year show. And that's now oh, a that's tradition. Cool. All right, John. All the best. See you later. Okay. See you. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to the HPR Community News Show for December 2015. It's uh, for those of you new to HPR, Hacker Public Radio is your ideas, projects and opinions podcasted. New episodes every Monday through Friday and this being the first show of the year, the community show of the year, I would like my children to come on and say hello to everybody. Hello. 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 Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, we kind of forgot to do that during the festivities this year because uh, basically I fell asleep on the couch. Okay. <laughs> Go to bed. Yeah. We you... still have to have dinner. Kitty. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know you'll Yeah. <laughs>